I'm Victoria, and this podcast is all about running, marathon training, and run coaching. It is packed with useful tips to help you grow as a runner. I am a 13-time Boston qualifier and mom of two who started running as an adult. I learned a lot on my journey, and in 2014, I launched an online run coaching business to help other runners. Now, we employ several run coaches and are one of the largest online run coaching companies. We teach you the secrets to reaching your potential in the sport of running. We give real talk discussing personal stories of injuries, setbacks, and PRs. Think of this as a conversation with serial marathoners who share the lessons that we learned along the way. This is the Run for PRs podcast. How should different paces feel when you're running? We have all heard about the benefits of easy running, and we've talked about that on our podcast a lot, how 80% of your weekly mileage should be at that easy pace, and then the 20% should be those hard workouts. A lot of the times we get caught up in those hard workouts, and we only focus on the paces that are written down on the plan and not necessarily how different paces should feel. So we are going to be talking a little bit about different pacing rules in terms of how you figure out what your goal paces should be. Um, We've talked on different podcast episodes about heart rate training, so we're not going to cover too much about that. But the whole purpose of this episode is more about talking about how we can go more off of effort when it comes to running instead of hyper-focusing on paces because there are so many things that impact the pace that you are going to be able to hit for various workouts or even on your easy run days. Um, You might be going up a hill. You might be going down a hill. It might be windy outside. All of these factors are going to happen on race day and all these factors usually happen during your workouts. So we want to know how to adapt on the fly instead of hyper-focusing on the Garmin. So we want to get away from consistently staring at our watch um, and just knowing how to run within ourselves for a lot of these runs. So I have with me today Jason who has been coaching for about 12 years now and when he first started running over 20 years ago there were not a lot of garments that um, existed. I'm sure it was they there were they were around but um, just the culture of running 20 years ago versus what it is today was very different. There weren't um, a lot of online um, social media sites like Strava or Instagram where people were constantly posting their training. There wasn't as much of an emphasis on paces for each particular run, even those easy runs, um, as there are now. It was more based off of effort. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about your experience growing up and getting into the sport um, where there wasn't as much technology and how that maybe has impacted your running or what you've seen change over the years. Yeah, you know, you bring up a a good point about how that many years ago, I was, you know, first of all, I was running high school, college, So even when Garmin did come out, you know, the types of people that had those devices were maybe marathoners or older adults that were really into, you know, tracking or the data. Um, And then, you know, for us, we basically, you know, our coaches had us run a lot of like time-based runs, so, um, or routes, so that they would know certain routes and they would tell us to go run like four miles or five miles and it would be measured, you know, 
with their car or whatever. And so they would know how far those routes were. Um, and then we could kind of do the math when we got back, you know, if someone wore a Timex or whatnot, how long we were gone, what pace we were going, that sort of thing. Um, but I think the biggest thing for us was, you know, a- as a runner to assess the pace, we, I would pretty much always just assume I was going like seven to seven thirty pace. Um, and we would never really think we were going slower, even though I'm sure looking back, there were probably days where we were running slower. Like if it was, you know, the day after a hard workout or it was hot that day, um, but we, you know, we never got wrapped up too much in the pace um, or really the overall mileage. It was just kind of go out and complete the easy run because um, that's really what its intended purpose was, was just to um, spend time on the feet and then, you know, run and socialize and keep your heart rate down. So, yeah, it was definitely a different type of a beast back then. And just a quick Google search, it'll pop up that Garmin released their first forerunner um, with the U.S. Patents Office in 2001, um, but the first watches were actually released in 2003. So really, I mean, we're talking less than 20 years these have been available. And I know that you started running back in you know the 90s, like 1998, 1989. Um, these devices weren't even around right and we know that like the marathons they date back hundreds of years you know the boston marathon i don't know what anniversary they're on but it's a hundred and something right and even the local marathons like twin cities and grandmas they've been going on for 50 plus years so a lot of these races have been outdating um this technology of the garmin right so you gotta wonder how do people run you know 230 or sub three hour marathons back then without these devices and so i think it's really important just to remember like where our roots are from because so much of the emphasis now is is placed on what paces am i hitting um i need to know exactly the pace and there's all this like mathematical stuff and all of the analysis that goes into evaluating that and I think there's that whole confidence piece where you want to see certain splits and you want to see this linear progression especially people who get really caught up in the numbers um so I know that when you were in high school and even in college you didn't really have a lot of that technology do you remember when the first time you were aware of pacing was and maybe the first time you started engaging with some of these te- technological tools or was it always kind of in the background because obviously on race day um, you had a manual watch and obviously for track workouts mm-hmm. you had um, a watch but did you even when did you really put two and two together that you know when you're doing intervals on the track okay if i'm doing 90 second 400 that's six minute pace um, when do you think that you even made that connection yeah, that's a good question. You know, even in high school, we would do track workouts, and uh, I, I would say I still wasn't fully aware of, like, the pace I was running. Like, we knew we were supposed to hit, like, 70 seconds right. for a quarter or whatever, but we I didn't, you know, do the math. Like, oh, that's 440 in the mile. And, um, you know, and then, the, you know, just equate that to, like, running 800s or 1Ks. Um, we did run, I guess, you know, in high school, we'd do 1K repeats in the field, and our coach would tell us, like, uh, our, our pace range or whatever that he wanted us to hit, and... You know, we didn't. We wouldn't know until the first one, like how how close we were to hitting it, mm-hmm. and then we could kind of gauge based on how we did. Like if we came inside the the range, then we knew we were good. Just kind of keep the effort the same. You know, if we were too fast, then we need to pump the brakes. If we were too slow, we need to maybe just increase slightly. So, um, yeah, it was a lot of like trial and error, and just you know, it kind of just went back to not really knowing the pace, especially like on easy runs. Um, I I guess I probably had a Timex watch probably towards I don't know junior senior year. Um, and then, you know, we'd wear it in college, but 
it would mainly just be to time how long we were out there for. Um, it wasn't necessarily to sort of gauge the pace right. or anything like that, obviously. Um, and then kind of the same in college with workouts. That's kind of when it started to become more like, oh, I can do the math in my head. Or, I, mm-hmm. you know, I started recognizing like, oh, I know this is one mile from school. So you'd glance mm-hmm. down and you kind of calculate and see. Or I have one more mile to go until I get back, that sort of thing. Um, so you became more aware as, you know, as, as I got a little older and started to um, just worry a little bit more about like the, the little things I could do, I mm-hmm. guess, that would make me faster. I don't remember even having a teammate have a Garmin. I think maybe by the time I was maybe a sophomore in college, there was like a senior that had it. Um, so that was probably 2006, 2007. And then um, never really was, um, you know, learn learn more about that until I was out of college and I started running right. half marathons and stuff. So Yeah, and I think the technology was a little bit expensive for, you know, a college student. And so it's not, even now, I mean, when you were coaching college cross country and track back what in 2019 now it it wasn't as prevalent I mean maybe you'd have you know like 40 percent of the team had one but I mean that's coming from like an age now where everyone has smartphones so I'm I'm almost surprised that not everyone did have um a watch so I think it's more of like a, a tradition almost growing up like even in the schools now cross country not everyone has you know these these Garmin devices but Anyways, I do think it's it's interesting talking about the history here, and a lot of people listening are probably like, well, how in the world did you know like what paces you were going? Um, especially when when you talk about having like a Timex watch. I know you mentioned that you got a Timex watch when you were a senior in high school. So after you'd been running for seven years, you you got a Timex watch, and a Timex watch essentially is a stopwatch. So it's just a way to record how long you have right. been gone it, it has no sort of pacing features nothing like that it's literally like a ten dollar watch you can get at walmart or something um and so i find that really interesting the fact that you and other younger people who you know when you're in high school and middle school or even in college like the prefrontal cortex isn't fully developed like people i mean it's really hard to have that patience to slow down and to go easy so what did you do or what did your coaches have you do at that younger age um to try to emphasize to you that you needed to go slow or do you think that you even went slow enough or how did that really go over yeah that's a good question i think you know through practices with teammates and learning you know kind of where you fall in race in races against them um you know the older kids are obviously more experienced so you kind of see like oh I was hanging with this guy in the race or whatnot so I should probably kind of stay with him Mm -hmm. in practice that sort of thing like not go ahead of him and so you just kind of learn over over the course of a season where you belong and you run with those people and then um you know I don't think that you had really any any concept of of pace other than you know when you come back to the track you're going to be doing strides or intervals um so when you're out on your easy runs just or you're out on your warm-up they would call it just keep it like conversation pace so um i think that's kind of what the guidelines that we use right and i don't even know if that's you know better right so we're talking about on this podcast how different paces should feel and maybe not being so pace obsessed but it just sounds like maybe there was like a lack of structure. And I'm sure that some people that you ran with in high school, college, um, maybe ran at inappropriate paces for their easy runs and they had really no way of knowing 
if it was too fast or not. Because, like you said, they were just going with, like, whoever was around or whoever they ran next to on race day. And so that can also handicap you. Um, I know my experience was a little bit different. Um, I downloaded the Nike Plus app in, I want to say, 2011. Um, And that was kind of, like, my source of truth. So... I always used that in terms of what pace was I going. And, you know, you're not staring at your phone when you're running. So it was something that I would look at after the fact or maybe just to start my run just to make sure I was running the right pace and make sure it was correct with my intuition. Um, But joining the college cross country team, our coach would do the same thing. He'd say, go easy, go slow. But no one had um, these Garmin technologies at the time and no one... Well, it didn't really seem like anyone else was really tracking their pace. Um, no one was really like using an app or anything like that. I was kind of the oddball because I had my phone with me, um, which now it's kind of funny looking back because that's what like everyone does now. But I, I brought my phone with me on these runs and I would track what pace we were going. And the people who I was supposed to be running with, um, they said, you're going too slow. I'm not running with you. But I looked down at my thing and I was going at the fast end of our easy pace range. And so... A lot of me would stare at the people who were supposed to be running next to me on these easy days and they'd be way up ahead. Um, They'd end up getting injured or they would like really not be performing well on race day. And there was just a lot of like trickle effects that happened as a result of them maybe just being unaware of what pace they were going. So I do think it's really important that people are able to like double check Um, like what pace the run ended up being because if you're only going off of effort and you don't have anything to kind of look at as a reference point or as like a north star later it's hard to be able to do this and allow it to be like productive for your running right so we want Mm -hmm. this to be something that you can productively use and input into your training Um, so I don't think going all the way to the spectrum of just completely getting rid of your watch, completely getting off of Strava is the answer. And I definitely don't think the answer would be hyper-focusing on pace. I think the best way to do it is having like this hybrid model where you use the technology to kind of guide you, but at the end of the day, allowing yourself internally to kind of navigate, okay, you know, 6.30 pace, it said for my workout today, but I'm going at the effort that I normally go for this workout and it's, you know, yeah. 6.45 instead. Um, and so talk to me a little bit about doing that on an easy day because I think that's where the pace can vary so widely from person to person right. or even from day to day, right? So we always say this rule of thumb that we talk about on all of our posts, all of our podcasts, it's just an easy rule of thumb that we talk about right but there is outside of that window you can even run even slower and the rule of thumb is two to three minutes per mile slower than your 5k race pace um so that is in my mind like the speed limit so you don't want to be going any faster than two minutes per mile slower than your 5k pace so if you run a 5k at seven minute pace, we do not want to be going any faster than nine minute pace on an easy day. Um, but then I also have some people that will say, well, what if I go even slower? You know, like what if if you're that seven minute pace person and you're trying to go between that nine and 10 minute pace range on your easy runs, 
but one day you start running like 11 minute pace or like 10:45 pace. Um, I know some people have questions in terms of that and then how the pace can vary so much from day to day. So do you have anything to kind of share or add words of wisdom? Yeah, definitely a lot to unpack here. And, you know, you were still having me think about um, becoming more pace aware. And back back in college, you know, we uh, that was kind of the time I started to experiment with like a run diary or run, you know, run log, it was called. And so I think I used Nike Plus and a few other runners would use that. And it was just an online thing that we would use. And so we would use the watch just kind of as a tool to gauge about how far we ran. So we would always kind of estimate, you know, 7 or 7.30 pace times the, or, you know, divide that by the, the time that you ran and that's how many miles you, you went. And so you kind of use that and you track it. Um, but we never really relied totally on the watch unless it was a workout. You know, we'd kind of be able to assess paces um, only if we we're on the track, obviously, or you knew exactly how far the interval was that you were running. Um, and I think it was just through experience and, and exploring how your body feels on those harder workouts um, that really dictated like how certain other runs should feel. And so, you know, I, I always thought like, you know, out on the road, you know, like, you know, like you said, two to three minutes slower than 5k mm-hmm. pace. Well, you kind of know what your 5k pace is through a few, a few competitions. And so just running a lot slower than that. And yeah, it might be, some days it might be like two minutes per mile slower. Some days it might be four minutes per mile slower. It really just depends on who you're running with that day, the elevation, the weather, you know, how well you slept that night, mm-hmm. how hydrated you are, all of those other factors. And so I never really got too wrapped up in that. And then, you know, as far as workouts go, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, I, I just always thought like, you know, for a tempo run, you're never supposed to push it as hard as you are on the track. So I always just kind of scaled back a little bit on the road if we're doing like a tempo, mm-hmm. you know, because it was hard to go out and assess like what pace should that be at. But you're just kind of learning how to run off of effort. Um, fartlek to me, that was always a little bit harder than a tempo. So, um, but yeah, I think that just over over time and experience, that's really what got me to um, learn how to really dial into certain paces and just sort of. Um, you know, grasp the concept of like easy running versus, you know, when to run hard and that sort of thing. Right. It is pretty interesting. Just this topic of, um, like your history. And then if other people look at their own history and how they can use that to kind of navigate, um, like what's going on with their running, right? Like you were saying, how did you feel on these workout days? So if you are always feeling like you can't hit your paces or you just feel like you only have one gear or like your legs are trashed or you just feel really fatigued all the time. It's usually a sign that you're not going slow enough on your easy days. So I like how you said you want to put that emphasis on the workout days. So that should be a kind of the guiding source of, um, how am I feeling as a runner? How is my performance going? You want to look at those key quality session workout days where you're going hard and figure out what is going on with your running based on those days. So if you're consistently feeling really bad on those days, um, that's a pattern and that's gonna give you a lot of feedback into what is going on um, with your running physiologically. If on the other hand, you're nailing your workouts and you're feeling really strong on your workout days, but then on your easy days, it's just like, wow, I'm going really slow or I'm unsure about this, that is telling you that your body is recovering on those easy run days and that you are carrying a lot of fatigue, but the reason that you're going that slow is because you're sore and because you are putting the emphasis on the right days and you're allowing your body to kind of build that aerobic base. But what I think we see 
far too often is people going too fast on their easy days and then just the accumulation of fatigue and everything and then just the withdrawal from running because oh it's too hard or like I just don't feel like doing it today um and one of my rules recently that I've kind of started um I used to go through those phases where like I would say in my head like I hate running or I don't want to run or oh it just sounds awful right um and for a really long time I was really religious of sticking to that rule of two to three minutes per mile slower than my 5k pace and I did that and I followed that rule and so I never let myself really go slower than three minutes per mile than slower than my 5k pace so like every single run had to be this pace or faster on my easy days Um, but what I didn't realize is like the toll that was kind of taking on my body and when you're trying to increase stimuli and increase stress or increase the mileage you're going to have to give in other areas and so um, I was going a little bit too fast than I should have on my easy days and really in reality I could have slowed down 30 45 seconds more per mile and it would have made me feel a lot better about my running but what ended up happening instead is having to take prolonged time off just because of the like despair of oh like I don't like running and that feeling originates from forcing yourself to go too fast on your easy days Um, your body can only handle so much stress and so it's going to be giving you like these red alerts red signals like don't do this please don't you know and that comes in the form of you thinking that you hate running and you not wanting to get out the door and these are phases that I think a lot of runners have gone through um, or are maybe currently going through and they just they think that it's oh I peaked or oh like I just don't enjoy it anymore but in reality what it could be is that you're not allowing yourself like that flexibility and freedom to like really listening to your body Um, and one of the things I like to ask myself before I go out the door is okay on this easy day what is the pace that I need to run or what is the feeling that I need to feel on this run in order to feel good the rest of the day in order to feel recovered from my workout um, in order to enjoy this run and Sometimes that's going three minutes per mile slower than marathon pace. Sometimes that's going four minutes per mile slower than half marathon pace. Um, It's all about just listening to what your body is telling you and not attaching like your ego to these paces at all. And even now I'm running probably at least a minute per mile slower than what I normally do on easy days. Uh, but I'm in the same shape as I was, you know, three years ago, you know, I just ran a 318 marathon, but yet, you know, I go like almost 10 minute pace on easy days. Yeah. You said something earlier that, that was a good reminder for me. And that was about, um, your body's recovering even during the easy run. So if, if your effort on an easy, you know, a specific easy run does not feel very easy one day, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there could be a couple different factors. And, you know, I just had a run yesterday where I ran a lot slower than I normally do. And, I think that that's just a good sign that, um, you know, you can use a pace as sort of like a guiding thing, but don't get too wrapped up into it. It could just be something like, oh, hey, th- th- this just means I'm probably not ready to tackle a workout the next day yet. Right. So wait another day or two. And that could be, you know, there's other things you can look at too, like resting heart rate and all that, but or the heart rate data on your run. But um, for me, I felt like my heart rate was low, but it just felt hard for some reason. Right. And I think that that's normal on easy runs. Um you know, all easy runs are definitely not created equal. There's going to be days where you feel like you have to hold yourself back. And then there's those other days where it feels like, wow, I just really have to just keep slodging along here just to keep my run going. And so I think everywhere in between, wherever you fall on your easy run, it's normal. And then just um, hopefully, though, 
those are kind of the the rare easy run days and then the majority of them you can kind of just you know figure out what's that right pace or that right um you know zone for you to be in right definitely and for a lot of those days where it feels like such a slog or it feels really hard usually you can kind of tie that back to something so it'll be like oh the weather or oh this route um something like that and once you start to get really in tune with your body you're able to more accurately pinpoint like exactly what's going on or maybe it was a workout you did the day before or something like that um but i do think it's really important to start talking about maybe what these easy runs should feel like right so we talked a lot about the benefits and and what paces to run but like how does it feel when you go out there um, and so a lot of the questions that I'm constantly asking myself is, I, I want this to feel like I'm not running. Like when I'm done with an easy run, I want to feel like I didn't run, which I know that sounds crazy maybe to listen to, but that's literally how easy it should be. And a lot of the comments that I get on social media, whenever we do these easy run posts, um, maybe from new followers, they'll be like, well, but it feels like a walk or like, it feels weird. And I'm like, well, but that's how you kind of develop that aerobic base. You want it to feel that easy Um, and that's the only way you're really going to be able to increase your mileage and be able to um, develop your aerobic basis if you allow yourself to kind of take it that easy where it doesn't feel like you're like running anymore it's almost like a slog or a jog it's so funny you know I think back to like being younger and you know when you run by non-runners I always wanted to like make them think like oh that guy's fast like look at his form (laughs) and all that and now it's the complete opposite I'll tell myself, especially on an easy recovery run, that, um, you know, I'm going to go out and run a day. If my neighbor or something sees me, I want them to think like, oh, that guy oh looks gosh. like he could be fast, but he's actually Seriously. running really slow. And so that's just a good reminder for me to be like, I'm just going to make other people think I'm really slow. And so do whatever you need to do to just like conserve energy and just know that the purpose is just to kind of log the miles, pass yeah. the time, and then save your energy for the quality sessions. This is a really valid point, and I do remember several years ago when I really started to try and embrace this easy running um, concept, like even slower than two to three minutes per mile slower. It was really hard because every time I'd run by someone, I felt like an idiot, kind of. I just was mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, I'm going, like, my stride just looked different right, than what it does when you're racing, and it just felt like kind of awkward to me. Um, but I, again, I think that's just like my, it was my own insecurity. It was like my ego getting in the way. And now it's really funny. Like, I don't even think about it. I saw a bunch of people on my run, um, this morning, you know, I waved at them, like no big deal. And I was going like 10 minute pace. And it's just really funny because, uh, back in the day that would have been like, oh, like I don't want my stride to look this bad. I don't want them to like think I'm in pain or something like that. I don't know. You just have people have weird thoughts all the time. So if you're someone who has those thoughts where you're like, you're like, I don't like to go slow. I don't like the way it feels. Just know that people who do go slower, they, they kind of do struggle through that. And then they get it out to the other side and realize, oh, it's actually like really beneficial. I feel a lot better when I'm not hammering it on all my easy runs, which you might feel like you're going slow, but that might not be slow enough. So if you're someone who's constantly struggling with fatigue, um, unable to increase your mileage, constantly getting injured, um, not improving, those are sometimes signs that you're overdoing it on the easy days and that you could slow it down even more. So 
more about like what that pace might feel like. I talked about how you wanted to feel when you're done, like you didn't even really go for a run. Um, so however slow you have to go to do that. You want it to be so that you can pretty much, if you had to for the run, breathe like nasal breathing. It shouldn't be something where you need to be breathing in through your mouth, right? So I'm not saying you need to do nasal breathing for your runs, but it should be at that sort of breathing level where it's not um, like totally exacerbated. You shouldn't be like huffing and puffing. Um, another way that you can think about this is a lot of people call easy running conversational pace, but I think that's a horrible term because I have gone on temple runs with like you and Mabelmeister, like a two, 220 marathoner. And I'm sitting there like I can squeak in a couple words and make it seem like I'm, I'm having a conversation at this like faster than my marathon pace. But in reality, it's like just because you're able to talk to someone doesn't mean that that's an easy pace, right? So you can talk during temple runs, you can talk during races, um, depending on the distance, right? Uh, so that's not a good gauge because everyone's like conversation may be different, right? Yeah. So you might be someone that when you have a conversation, you say like three words, you know, some people are more, uh, they don't talk as much. But one way that I like to think about it is thinking about singing pace. So at what pace can you literally like sing a song or at what pace would you be able to, you know, do, do something that's of challenge. So maybe like grabbing your phone, are you able to like text someone if you had to like while you're running? Like, is that how easy? I mean, I know that's kind of advanced, but you have to think like you don't want to be exuding so much energy that all of your focus is into running is kind of the whole point of, of that point. Do you have anything to add to those? <laughs> when you said text and run, it just made me think, just don't run into like a sign mm. or a car or something, but yeah, be aware of right. surroundings. Um, you know, not really, I guess the, that kind of ties into like marathon pace. Cause I was going to bring up that point, how like mm. sometimes during like a temple run or steady state run, like you can still definitely carry conversation. Oh, yeah. And we would do that all the time in college. Like yeah. you're still, you know, you know, you're still talking during your tempo, but, um, you know, and that's a sign too of like kind of determining like, am I pushing it too hard? Like, could you carry a conversation or not during certain runs? Mm. Like if you're, you know, if you feel like you couldn't, then maybe you are running a little too fast. So on that particular day, you talked about running with me and my friend. <laughs> yeah, obviously it was not an easy run for you. It was maybe easy for him and I, but for you, it was more of like a steady tempo run. And so, um, yeah, I think that there's, you know, a lot of different ways to unpack you know the concept of easy running and like how it should feel for me i always just think of just like you said finishing the run feeling like i didn't do anything um, right. equating it to like a four um four out of ten maybe four oh yeah between a three between though, a three yeah. and a five that's kind of the sweet spot so right on the rpe scale of yeah of that um that's kind of how i would um you know right. assess the easy run yeah so like if 10 was like a hard workout right like a um, race a race, race, effort, race. or something like a tempo would maybe be like seven or eight easier and should be like three or five and i know people are probably like rolling their eyes when we say you should feel like you didn't even run but in reality that's like not something we're just saying you should literally feel like you didn't really go yeah. for a run like if you're feeling really sore fatigued like you have to sit down like all of those sort of things are either a sign that maybe you're running too many miles, which could also be the case, but more than likely, like you're going too fast on your easy days. Um, so that could be slowing down. Maybe you're gonna go four or five minutes per mile slower than than your 5K pace or something, and that's what you need to do in order to kind of to feel that way. Um, but I just thought it was really funny how you brought up that run that we did with the 220 marathoner. Um, I actually at the time, because this was a very long time ago, I think when we were done, I said to myself, like, that was an easy run for me, simply because this was my basis for that, and it was very incorrect, and so I think some people listening, maybe they've done this before. 
I said, well, this wasn't a workout pace. So it was slow enough where I wasn't doing like a lactic threshold or like a tempo run or a speed workout. I was able to carry that pace with you guys for the duration of the run. So like eight, 10 miles. And it was like an easy pace for you guys. So I was like, oh, well, I was running with them. And then also the fact that um, when I was doing it, it didn't feel super hard. It felt, you know, like, okay, you know, aerobic. Um, and then I was able to have conversation with you guys. And then when we were done, I didn't feel too fatigued. So I was like, well, easy run. But so I think people just use that term for anything. But in reality, what that run was, was a marathon pace and a steady state run. And I'm pretty sure you had a workout either like, (laughs) like within two days of either side of that run. I can't remember if it was before or after, but I'm pretty sure you had like a harder workout. Right. What's funny about that phase of my running, you know, six years ago or whenever that was, is I wasn't doing workouts. So I would go too fast on these easy runs or I'd be like, oh, like I don't really care. Like I would lie to myself and act like I don't care about workouts or whatever. So then I would do these foolish things like run 10 miles at like my marathon pace and just be like, yeah, that was an easy run. Like I would try to act like I didn't really care about my running when like low key I did. But I just, if I tried to do a workout, I physically wouldn't have been able to because if you're just going out there doing foolish things like running and marathon pace are slightly faster for your runs. And then when would I have had time to do, you know, a workout? So what ended up happening with my running um, was that I got worse and worse and worse over the course of, you know, two years um, until I started making the changes and, and changing how I approached my training. Yeah, that's a good point. And I even think, you know, I've coached a lot of runners that have come to us and I've looked at their like intake form and we can read about their background and observe their training on training peaks, look at all their paces. And that is a common thing that I see in runners is that they just, they haven't done a lot of workouts. They just do a lot of those like steady runs and stuff. And it's kind of like sporadic when they throw those in. And those athletes, when I start working with them, they're, I think they're more likely to end up injured um, Mm. or or more likely to like fall off the bandwagon and not stick to the plan. The athletes that are really able to embrace um, kind of the polarization of their training, you know, running running easier on easy days, sort of attacking those harder workout days. Those are the ones that I feel like are, um, you know, they're growing as a runner and they're more likely to, I think, get stronger and improve their overall gait and efficiency because they are changing their paces. And so, um, yeah, that's just something I've kind of noticed over time. And the majority of my athletes I coach now, like 95% of them, they are really good about following the plan and sticking to the paces. And, and running off effort. Yeah, I mean, that's really relatable just hearing what you said because I was that person for so long. And so I'd like download all these plans from the internet or like hire a coach or whatever, you know, like write me a plan. And then I would see it and be like, mm, like these workouts, like, I don't know. Like I'd be like, it seems too hard or that. I don't like the way it sounds. I would just kind of like make excuses and then I would like attempt the workout. Um, my warm up would obviously be too fast. And then I would try to like overshoot the paces because I was like dead set that like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm better than the plan or what, I don't know. You know, people just have like these weird ticks. So anyways, I would try to do the workouts. I would fail because my easy runs going into the workout were too fast. And so I think it's just such a drastic change to go from running at like basically marathon pace for all of your runs to, okay, now you're gonna slow down like two to three minutes per mile slower than what you have been running. And then we're gonna have these like super hard workouts. Because what was really hard about that is workout days are really hard and very uncomfortable. 
and for a reason right you're trying to actually like stress your body and if you're so used to just going at this like moderate effort it can feel really intense to all of a sudden like go from like okay moderate you know a six on the the pain scale to like okay we're at a 10 and I want to be done with this workout I don't want to do it um so I do think really embracing into those easy days can help but if we shift the focus and say, okay, I'm going to focus all my energy on these hard workout days and really be able to do those hard, then I think the easy days naturally will flow from there. Uh, but I do think this is a good like turning point of, okay, we kind of covered the easy days. So we want it to be like a singing. Um, you want to be able to sing. You want it to feel like a three out of five on the um, effort scale. You want it to feel like you maybe didn't even go on a run after. Your stride is going to feel different. It's going to feel weird. Some things that help me slow down are audiobooks, no music, running in the morning um, when you're still in a, like a fatigued state, right? I think the worst thing you can do is like if you had a stressful day at work and you like pound some like coffee or something and then go out and like run and try to like run off your stress. That's what I used to do. Um, I think that's like the worst possible setup for an easy run. Easy run is nice to kind of go into with like a relaxed state, really set an intention for the run and allow yourself to go to go easy. And if you have to um, get off Strava for a month or something or like keep that run private, whatever you need to do to make sure you're keeping it easy. But then moving into some of these paces, right? So we could start on the slower end of the workout spectrum and kind of work our way fast. So we talked a little bit about marathon pace and how I used to run a lot of my quote unquote easy runs at marathon pace. Um, so talk to me a little bit about how marathon pace feels and do you find that people will naturally like float into their marathon pace like unex inexperienced runners without even really knowing because that pace is like a comfortable pace for people? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think all the time, you know, if you take people that are not runners and you ask them to go run for like... I don't know, just go on a run or, you know, they're going to run at that pace for right. sure. Like they're going to, because first of all, they're not going to probably run for very far, right? Or very long. So they're going to, when they think of running, they, they probably think, oh, I really need to like push it. Right. So, um, you kind of have to like learn uh, over time, like what it, what it means to differentiate all these different paces. And so marathon effort to me, you know, if we're talking about that RPE scale, I'd go back to, I'd say about a six or a seven. That's kind of where I like to, to, to have it fall. Um, you know, if it's an eight, then it's probably becoming more of like a threshold run. And so I, I like to keep it a little bit more relaxed. Um, some days, you know, if you're in a steady state run for a couple miles, the effort actually may feel like pretty, pretty easy. Mm -hmm. It may be very similar to an easy run right. on other days. It really huh. kind of depends on like just how long it's been since you've done a workout or like if it's, if you're in the right groove that day, you know, if it's a nice kind of cooler day, that sort of thing. And so, um, this is not meant to be super super challenging but it is meant to kind of just have you focus a little bit more on your effort um slightly just increase that pace a little bit so um you know that that range is typically about like a 20 second range or so um from you know the fast end of your like marathon pace to 20 seconds slower than that so mm -hmm. um that's kind of how i would you know want that run to feel um how about you i do find marathon pace to be an interesting one because like i was saying before myself and other runners included and like you mentioned 
a lot of people will run at marathon pace unintentionally when they're not actively training, right? Or if they they don't have a lot of workouts that they do and they just end up in this like gray zone that's really close to marathon pace. So in some regards, if you're not really training, um, following a training plan or you don't know much about like the sport of running or whatever, or you're not doing workouts, you may end up like naturally running this pace. And so it may feel like, oh, this is like an easy natural pace, right? For some, for some people um, in some situations. And then on like the flip side of that, if you are training appropriately and you are letting yourself go at that really easy pace on your easy days and you're used to just going really slow on your easy days and just chilling out um and then you're asked to do like a marathon pace workout you sometimes look at marathon pace and think oh you know that's not gonna be that hard because it's marathon pace right it's not like it's 5k pace it's not like it's one mile pace and so I always go into marathon pace workouts I'm just like it'll be fine like it's not it's not that hard and then you're in it and you're like oh like this is not it's not comfortable at times because you're going from your warm up that was maybe at you know that easy pace and then all of a sudden boom you got to get up into this this marathon pace and to me I'm always really surprised at like how I feel maybe the first couple mile or two um, and just it can be a little bit of a mental battle uh, but just remembering that wherever you fall on the spectrum it is normal for marathon pace to feel hard and that's something that I always have to remind myself of this isn't like your average joe easy day this isn't an easy run this is a marathon pace run um, this is a workout it's a quality session and if it feels hard that's because relative to all of your easy runs you know you are running quite a bit faster but just because it feels a little harder doesn't mean that it's not sustainable doesn't mean that you can't do it that sort of thing so I think making sure that we know what your correct marathon pace is is key right so I think going to like a VDOT calculator putting in your most recent race result And typically it's, you know, about like a minute per mile slower than your 5k pace. I mean, it really varies. I'm just saying what mine is typically 45 seconds per mile slower than my 5k pace. Um, And that's, that's just going to be like your baseline, right? Um, So then I like to think of, okay, that's like your speed limit, your baseline, that's your marathon pace. And then when I go to do a marathon pace workout, I always like to visualize like how would I want to feel? Um, at mile 10 of a marathon, what, what sort of effort is that going to do? And I think when you do that visualization exercise, it's really good because you're practicing how you want to feel on race day. And you're also doing that visualization, which can go a long way in helping you feel prepared for the race and allowing your body to just dial in and learn what that pace feels like. So you don't need to think, okay, I put it in the VDOT calculator. It said my marathon pace is 808 per mile. You don't need to go out there and try to be a robot about it. It's just about, okay, 808. So if I'm on a super flat stretch, everything's going well, it's going to probably be like 808. Um, but if my legs are fatigued, if I'm going uphill, if it's super windy, uh, you might be at like 8.30, you know? Like it, it just you know. depends on um, like what's going on. And, and if you do have like a downhill stretch and a tailwind and you're feeling really good, you know, you might be in the 750s. Like, I don't know. But you have to allow yourself to have that variability um, and be able to dial into what a certain pace feels like. And that is actually going to be the most valuable thing for you on race day. So I think understanding what your marathon pace is and allowing a little bit of variation Um, But some things that you do want to be aware of is I did mention when you have that downhill stretch and, oh, you know, all of a sudden I'm going 10 seconds per mile faster. You want to make sure you're not dipping into 
a threshold or an anaerobic zone if the intention is marathon pace um, because then that's not the purpose of the workout and you don't want to go that fast because if you're practicing marathon pace your body is learning that this is the pace it needs to run for the marathon and so what's going to happen on marathon race day is that oh like all of a sudden your body you dialed into the wrong pace during all of your marathon workouts and then you're going to dial into the wrong pace on race day and you don't want that to happen so marathon pace is very specific i feel like we don't do a ton of marathon pace work um, unless we're training specifically for a marathon just because it is more about it's it's an aerobic pace you're not supposed to be anaerobic you're not supposed to be working on threshold so some signs that you maybe are going too fast for a marathon pace workout is if you have to be like on your hands and knees um after the the interval if you are breathless um if you're slowing down like significantly by like 20 30 seconds per mile on on the last couple miles or something like that do you have any other examples of how someone could know if they're like in marathon pace or if they're running too fast or too slow yeah, I mean, if you're if you need to take walk break after, mm. that's a sign too. And then, you know, while you were talking, it made me started thinking. Not only do we have the RP scale for numbers and stuff, but I I like keywords to think because you you said that some people will say that the marathon pace run will feel easy, right? And and to me, you know, it might feel easy to them, but I don't think easy is the right word because truly easy is easy. Mm. I think the word that they should be using is comfortable. Oh yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. really the word we want to associate when we talk mm. about this type of run is is comfortable because it's comfortable it's you know we could do it for a while and in reality we should be able to do it for a long while like (laughs) like, you know two hours at least in a training run um when then when we start to kind of talk about threshold now that's the kind of the max pace we should be able to hold for about an hour at the most and so now the word i'm going to use here is more it's tolerable so Mm. we we went from easy to comfortable and now it's tolerable yes you can do it and in bouts of maybe one mile, two miles at a time, but then it's helpful to have a break so you can kind of slow down, regain your your breath and composure. So um, those are kind of the words that I would use to kind of remind myself like how to run controlled, I guess. Right, and just another thing to add on there before we dive into the threshold, because I really liked how you were talking about like comfortable, tolerable, all of those words, so I like to get into that. But with the marathon pace caveat that we just talked about, sometimes you're gonna go to VDOT and let's say like you're just a blazing fast 5k runner you're just like epic or Mm -hmm. you have like a totally cool mile pr and you put it in and you're so fast and it's like yeah you could run like a 230 marathon or is that something like ridiculous right and and you look at it and you're like ha yeah right and so you try to do like these marathon pace works and you're just like this is not my jam like i'm not like this doesn't work i think what you can do in that situation and what any anytime any situation in a workout if you literally just do not feel like that's accurate maybe throw in a longer distance race into this calculator so maybe like it's a 10k or a half and that can give you maybe a more Mm -hmm. realistic picture so like a half marathon time might be a better indicator of your marathon pace than throwing in like your fastest mile or like your 5k pr because sometimes people just have like really developed anaerobic systems and they can like just totally crush it at these shorter distance races and they don't really translate to the longer distance stuff um, because you really have to have a strong aerobic base but the other thing to add to there so let's say you even put in your half marathon time and it's still saying a time in the marathon pace that you don't feel is appropriate or you feel like I can never do that or you have tried and it's too fast just slow it down right go off of effort so if it says to try to do like eight minute pace for your marathon pace and it's just not working out for you 
uh, try 820, see what that feels mm-hmm. like, right? Try to just go off of effort and wherever that lands, um, you could continue to improve on your fitness if you just kind of scale back a little right. bit. Um, and that's why sometimes working with a coach is good because they can help you um, kind of assess all of this instead of having to like assess it yourself, right? So we're throwing so many scenarios at you, but that's just because everyone's so different. Um, and when you are with a coach, it's it's easier to have um, like the coach kind of take that over. But getting into the tempo threshold pace, so what you are saying is the word tolerable, which I absolutely love. So it's a pace you can like tolerate, right? Um, this is a pace, they described it to us at RRCA um, certification as the pace that you can race at for 60 minutes. So that's gonna really, if you know yourself really well, you're probably like, oh, you know, I can run about, if I was racing, I would probably cover, you know, six miles or eight miles, or you know that in your head already. So you kind of have like a really good idea. Um, for those of you who maybe aren't sure, uh, you don't have to go out and, and do this on your own and, and see, you can just plug it in again to the VDOT calculator, plug in like a 5k time and it's going to spit out for you um, what your threshold is. And that pace is about the pace that you would be able to run for 60 minutes sustained. Yeah, these, you know, these runs, um, I think are probably the most fun just because you are, you are getting to push it a little bit faster, but you're not holding it for as long. And so typically you'll do these in, in little bouts of like, maybe if you're doing like four by one mile, for example, with, with a 60 or 90 second break in between, or, you know, 10 minute blocks or something like that. Um, it gives you a chance to, you know, feel like you're doing something for your fitness because um, you are running faster. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's such a good uh, workout that can help not only marathon runners, but 5K runners and everywhere in between. So um, it's something that is in a lot of the plans that we build for athletes. Um, and so, um, yeah, tolerable, I think it's good because when we think about the lactate that's building up, it's, it's all about how well your body can tolerate it and kind of use it as fuel to continue going at that same pace, right? When we start to hit that wall, that's a lot of times the, the period in which we kind of cross over and our body just can't keep it going or we're running low on fuel. So um, I, I definitely think that this this particular uh, zone is, is usually, I would say, right around an 8 on a scale of mm. uh, 1 to 10 for the RPE. Um, and then some intervals, which is kind of the next step up, that can also fall as at an 8, kind of depending on what your intended purpose is of the interval and then also how far you're running but um yeah usually about an eight maybe a seven and a half to an eight and a half right. if you want to be really technical yeah i do think tempos are great right threshold runs um definitely a great place to be at if you want to build endurance and, and fitness um it's like the bread and butter for you know marathon training and even for the, some of the shorter distance races it's, it's really great to have these threshold runs regularly because they do benefit you and there's a physiological purpose. And so that's why it is really important to not go faster than your threshold pace. Um, So if you do plug in something in the VDOT calculator, it spits out your threshold pace, you're gonna not wanna go faster, Um, especially if you're newer to threshold and you don't really know like what it should feel like. I know we're saying, you know, seven or eight out of 10, you should feel like you should be able to speed up, right? So if you feel like, oh, I physically could never, I don't have another gear, you're probably going a little too fast. If you feel like you can't do another rep at all, like just totally fried, um, you're probably going too fast. There's just a lot of, of things that could be little indicators. I'm not saying that you want to do another rep, but I'm saying like physically, if you feel like so burnt after doing 
a threshold workout, part of me wonders if you were dipping into those anaerobic zones, which kind of defeats the whole purpose of the threshold workout. So I think it's better to start at the slower end and then end up um, at threshold midway through the workout or like at the end of the workout versus if you start at threshold and then like hit an anaerobic zone, you're actually getting like less um, benefit Mm -hmm. of the threshold workout if you do it that way. So starting slower, easing in, um, trying to really hang in that tolerable Mm -hmm. zone and right around that pace. And again, it's going to vary uphill, downhill. But eventually, like let's say you go to the track and you're trying to really, and it's a perfect weather day, you can just train yourself like what that pace feels like. And I think that's a really good starting point for people who do thresholds is maybe go to the track and do like mile repeats at your threshold pace or like half miles, just learning how to pace and what the pace feels like because there is a very clear sensation of like what it feels like to be riding that line um, between you know, right at your threshold. And so when you are able to learn that, you're able to then simulate that on the road um, and that sort of thing. So I think it's really good to, to practice the pacing, figure out what the feeling feels like and put that feeling to memory so you can uh, utilize that in the future. Then we're moving into speed workouts, which speed workouts can really vary so much, right? So you could have speed workout be just a little bit faster than the threshold pace, like maybe around 10K pace for people who... Um, maybe you're a little faster and then you could go all the way to like you know 800 meter race pace or like one mile race pace which is totally opposite end of the spectrum you're not going to be able to hold that pace for very long at Mm -hmm. all so Mm -hmm. talk to me about like how that would feel um, and how to like pace yourself for these various workouts yeah and just to before we kind of jump into that to know if you're going the right pace on threshold workouts i would look typically look at like the consistency throughout or the last rep and see like are they able to sustain the actual pace are they running mm. if they're running like um slower then it's a chance it's they probably went a little too fast or the paces aren't quite aligned so you should be able to hit hit them pretty consistently um and then as we dip into the speed you know this is something where i think through through experience and this is where running on a track i think can help you because you have that 200 meter to check in with your pace or you could do it every 100 if you want but that just seems like a lot of math so we always did every 200 you just could kind of do a double do a check on your watch do the math in your head and this is this came in huge for us is just learning like you know if we're running 400s or 800s or whatever it is 1k repeats you would always know what is that pace um you know that if you were to divide that up by 200 so that you could do a check-in at 200 meters and see be like i'm either on pace i'm a little fast i'm a little slow and then make the adjustment and i think that that that's how i got really good at learning how to pace is just Mm. through through those experiences and then um a lot of times you know sometimes i wouldn't even look at the watch at 200 because i I just wanted to see like how good can i how spot on can i run this interval without even checking in and then you know so i might do like a third one of you know the sixth rep or whatever uh without looking at the watch to see like how consistent can i be um not relying on the watch and so I think over time you just kind of learn, um, but a track can help definitely. Um, you know, and thinking back to college days, we, we didn't we didn't have the Garmin and everything. We would not um, we would not let the 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 time that we ran for each interval. We wouldn't let that dictate whether or not the workout was. You know, um, or right. we wouldn't use that I guess to determine how successful the workout was. Yes. It was all about like how we felt um, as a whole. So how consistent were we? Um, where we, or did we run like the first few fast and then we just died off at the end, or maybe we, we just felt like so good at the end. So we, it was always about like feel. And I think that that is the most important thing here. Um, we had a pain on the interval that you're running. Like you said, if you're running, 
um, like 200s, it might be like mile pace. If you're running uh, 400s, 600s, it might be closer to like 5K pace. Um, you know, 800s to 1Ks could be closer to 10K pace. And it just kind of depends on what your intended purpose is of doing the intervals. Right. And I do think sometimes people can get in their heads. I like how you said that you didn't compare or you didn't think about like what paces you were running. You, you didn't judge the workout. You weren't trying to look to hit a certain pace. You wouldn't say, well, you know, we hit this pace today. So it was a good workout. Um, and I think that's where a lot of athletes can kind of get, get in a hard pickle during speed workouts. Right. So they do, you know, the first couple reps and they're like, oh, like what? You know, because they're thinking back to the last time they did the workout and they're like, I'm running slower. I'm not running faster. And it can start to do this like negative spiral. Um, and that's why, you know, the whole technology going back to what we we're talking about at the beginning, it's like a blessing and a curse. And so I think we really need to like detach ourselves from that type of thinking, especially when you're in the middle of a workout. Like that sort of thought process is not going to help you at all. So what I think you should do instead is focus, like you were saying, on the next rep, how am I going to feel? How can I make this workout like be something where I'm feeling good after, that I feel good about myself, right? Because I think if we just allow ourselves to listen to our body and say, okay, maybe I need to dial back a little bit, but then I'm going to crush the last couple, um, Mm -hmm. that sort of mindset allows you to be able to adjust on the fly and to be really confident in your running abilities. So you might not always have workouts that are faster, better, stronger. You might start you know learning about this whole like mental aspect of things and being in control and and helping with the pacing and and that sort of thing so you can really judge a workout multiple different ways you don't need to like hyper focus on the pace necessarily um so i do think yeah within speed workouts there's a lot of different um ways you can do it right you can do mile stuff you can do 5k stuff 10k stuff and, and pretty much every pace in between and so each workout has a little bit of a different purpose you might have different rest in between and I know that wasn't even on my radar, you know, a couple of years ago that the rest portions in between do make a huge difference, right? So if you're doing like 800 meter repeats with one minute rest in between, that's more simulating like a threshold type of workout. But if you're doing, you know, 800 meter repeats with three minutes rest in between, totally different workout. And so if you're trying to compare, oh, you know, last time I did 800 meter repeats, I hit way faster times. It's like, well, what was the rest? What was the purpose? There's there's different ways to do um, different workouts. And so I think that's why it's really important to set intentions before you go to these workouts and then knowing what the effort should be, right? So if you're doing something with like longer rest periods, that's where you know, okay, well, I'm gonna have more time to recover so I can get a little bit more breathless. Um, You start to, to learn like, oh, if I only have a minute rest or if I only have like 90 seconds rest, it's not gonna be enough time. Um, and that's another thing that's key is sometimes I get people ask like, oh, should I do standing rest, walking rest? And I'm like, well, if it's a speed workout, I mean, it honestly, it's just do what you need to recover in between. And so that's where listening to your body um, becomes key, right? So if you're out there, super humid, um, you're really pushing it, you're just having like one of those days where it just feels really hard, you haven't done an anaerobic workout in a while, it's kind of a shock to the system. If you need to walk to regroup mentally, physically, whatever, for the two minute recovery in between your 800s or whatever it may be to be able to like go up and be able to hit that pace again then do that because what I do think happens too often is people they'll do their 800 interval they're super fast stuff they lap their watch and they're like oh my gosh I'm so out of breath like I can't recover and they're jogging along um at you know too fast of a pace to recover from and then they try to go into the next repeat and they're not able to hit the pace at all because they weren't letting themselves fully recover on those intervals. So the point of those speed workouts is to 
get your legs turning over, get you to that VO2 max level. And so if what you need to do in between is to recover or to stand rest, that's fine. But you know, you don't need to like overindulge, right? So I think in track, if you watch people do speed workouts, um, like in college, I would watch when you used to coach college, I would watch them do the workouts and it's like, they would walk for a little bit. And then once they felt, okay, like I'm not going to die, I can finally kind of breathe somewhat normal. I'll start jogging again. Mm -hmm. So you just kind of listen to your body. And sometimes the first couple reps, you might not need to walk in between, or, you know, maybe the whole workout you need to walk a little bit. Um, just really varies. Yeah. And you know, takes me back to the, all the different t types of interval workouts that I, I've done in the past. Like some of them, you, you want the intended purpose to be do, doing the last one the fastest just so that you kind of end on a positive mm. note. You get that confidence like, hey, I put in this much work and I was still able to run the last one, uh, you know, three seconds faster or whatever. And then those the, there are those other types of workouts too where it's like maybe you're doing six by 1K and doing the last one the fastest is not that important. It's just important to get them all like within that like five to 10 second range. And if you can do that, you know, maybe the last one was actually your slowest, but that was the most you'd ever done before was six. And so it just, it feels so good to be able to accomplish it and still hit the, the pace. And so it really just kind of boils down to, yeah, what you're training for, what the intended purpose is. Um, but if you're someone who, you know, you do kind of, you, you overthink things when it comes to pacing and stuff, do what you need to do to conserve early on. And maybe you're on the first few slower and, and, you know, try to focus on running the last one or last two, uh, a little bit faster. And I think that can go a long way in just helping you with a positive mindset feeling like the workout was a, was a success for you yeah definitely some really good tips and I think the whole lesson of this podcast is being able to kind of trust your body and you don't need to hyper focus on the garment and, and things just vary a little bit from day to day and stuff like that and I think trying to run off of pace the whole point of this um, is so that on race day you're able to really be in tune with your body and I think so often we're more in tune with our watch than we are our body which is to a disservice to you as an athlete because athletes who really know their bodies well, um, they don't always need to be checking the garment. They, they can kind of run within themselves. And that's when you're able to really have those races that feel really great and you're able to um, reach your potential. I mean, you don't need to always be looking down at the watch constantly. You can really trust, okay, I know what pace I'm going. And that sort of confidence where like you feel strong, you know what pace you're going, you're confident in your abilities um, is huge. And it's, it's a game changer on race day. But it's something that it takes a long time and several years, maybe even decades to to perfect, right? Like no one, no one has it all down. Otherwise, no one would want. No one would run with garments if everyone had it all figured out, right? So, it's all about finding what works for you. And maybe you got some value out of this. Um, maybe not, right? So everyone's different. Maybe you you still are gonna use your garment just as much. But I think it's fun to talk about um, the different feelings and how you might feel during runs versus constantly relying on the garment for um, advice. But this is one of the factors that we do in all of our training plans, right? So we will include heart rate, we'll include specific VDOT paces, and we also talk about the different efforts that you should feel on the runs and kind of sharing what the purpose of each workout is and working with a coach who can kind of drill down and nail all this down for you so you don't have to think about, okay, what's the purpose of this workout and what's the purpose of that workout? They can just figure it all out for you and take all of that responsibility off of your hands can be really nice. And it's like a luxury to give yourself. If you're someone who's out there 
doing all these hard workouts and trying to become your best self, you're already putting in so much work. So I always like to work with a coach because they can really elevate you to that next level and you can feel like you're actually with someone, training with someone who is in your court versus doing everything all by yourself. Um, having another perspective on my training I know has been a game changer and it can really just make your running that much more enjoyable. So if that's something you're interested in, you can fill out the form at www.runforprs.com. We can send you more information and get you set up with a free seven day trial of custom training. Again, that's www.runforprs.com. Thanks for tuning in.